0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is God's Focus in Prayer. God's Focus in Prayer. As we get ready to start this monthly prayer service as we go into it tomorrow... I thought it would be fitting to just kind of talk about prayer, and I I thought it would be an interesting topic to talk to you, because we pray, hopefully we pray, uh, and talk with God, um, but we never really think of, of, of God's part or what God wants to do when we talk with Him. When we pray and have conversation and prayer with God, we're always talking with Him, we're asking Him for things, we're talking to Him about things. But what does his role play in that? Is it his role just to sit up on the throne room and listen? Is it his role to just sit up there and kind of roll his eyes and be like, oh, there she goes again, complaining about her husband? Is it his role whenever he hears our prayers that it says that it's a sweet aroma to him in the Scriptures? What does his role play in the conversation that we have with him? Sometimes we get so busy talking to God that we forget that He wants to talk back to us. That prayer is a conversation with God. And you know, and I know, people, when you have a conversation with them, they take over the conversation the whole time and you can't get a word in. Those aren't fun conversations. Well, I... But I... Oh, yeah. I, well... Uh. Okay, yeah. And when we understand that prayer is an open conversation where we can talk to God, but God also wants to talk back to us, it gives us time and changes our prayer life to where I'm constantly just talking, talking to talking, to finally just quieting myself and taking time to listen. That this conversation that He wants to have with us. And I'm going to be reading a passage in 1 Kings chapter 19 we're going to go through about 18 scriptures 1 Kings chapter 19 and we're going to see what God's focus is when we have conversation and we have prayer with him the first thing that we see is that God focuses on your relationship with him first when God has conversations with you when you're praying and talk with him the first thing that he wants to talk to you about is you and your relationship with him. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to read 1 through 4. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Ahab being a rat. uh, also Also, how he had executed all the prophets. Those are bad prophets, not the good ones. These are the prophets of Baal with the sword. Verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, Imagine somebody coming to you saying, the king and queen has a message for you. Oh, wow, this is going to be a great message. Can't wait to hear it. And her message is, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of the one of them by tomorrow about this time. Well, that's encouraging. Verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, But he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. A bit dramatic there, don't we think? But have we not also potentially prayed some type of prayer like that to God? God, this is too much for me to bear. This is too much for me to handle. I can't take it anymore. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm trying to stop this. I'm trying to do that. I've seen the life cycle of my family and my grandparents, and I'm just like them. I can't overcome. We see Him have this conversation It says, God, just kill me. And look at verse 5. And the scripture does not say, and God chastised and yelled at Elijah for his dumb prayer, for what he was saying or what he wasn't saying. Then as he laid and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise, And eat. Verse 6. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals, a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. It's very important for you to understand that when you are having a conversation with God, when you are praying to God and talking with Him, that the first thing that He's concerned about is talking to you and working with you On y'all's relationship. Elijah is sitting there. Screaming out to God. Having somewhat of a pity party. Why don't you just kill me? Everybody else wants to kill me. Nobody else likes me. Just kill me. And what does God do? He feeds him. He restores him. He hydrates him. He gives them an opportunity to rest. He works and talks to Elijah about himself. Let's work on this. You see, Elijah had forgotten all the good things that God had done through him in this short period of his life. Remember that Elijah is called to be a prophet. At that time, there was was no school to become a prophet There was no opportunity to start your own church and prophetic ministry of Elijah. God called him and spoke to him directly to become a prophet. And in about three years' time, Elijah stands up in the face of the king and proclaims that a drought is going to happen because of his wicked ways. That sounds like a fun prophet. Hey, I want you to go talk to the king. All right, let's go. What do you want me to say? Tell him there's not going to be any rain because he's wicked. Okay, thank. Okay, God, we got to. Well, let's see if I can deliver that in a better package than how you said it. He stands up in front of the king and makes that declaration. He says, it's not going to rain till I say it'll rain. Then he leaves, and it doesn't rain. And then God feeds Elijah with birds. Feeds him in the morning and feeds him at night, right next to a brook with water. As the, the drought is going on, Elijah meets this widow woman. and The woman's asking for help, and Elijah makes this crazy statement and says, hey, why don't you fix me a cake to eat, and then we'll worry about your problem. She says, well, I was going to just fix some food for me and my kids to die, but Sure, I'll make you a cake. And her obedience and her step of faith caused a miracle to happen where her oil and her flour that was in her jar never stopped overflowing until the drought ended. While he's there with this widowed woman, her son passes away. And the woman says, You do something. You gotta fix this. And he goes and lays on this child and brings life. God restores this child's life, brings him back from the dead. Then the big story of Elijah's life is he's at Mount Carmel and they have this big showdown. Mano emano, my God versus your God. God versus Baal. I'm the only prophet, and you and all your Baal prophets, let's Both build altars, and whatever God responds, that'll be the God that we serve. And so Elijah says, y'all go ahead and go first, and it says all throughout the day, the prophets of Baal are wailing and crying out to Baal. It says that they are cutting themselves, they are bleeding profusely, doing everything that they can, and Elijah is over there sitting there mocking them. Well, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he went to the bathroom. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe your God's too busy. Maybe he's watching a game. They say, okay, it's your turn, Elijah, you. He says, okay. So he places the sacrifice on there. Remember, there's a drought and he calls for water. And he says, douse the sacrifice. And douse it again to where there's a moat that is dug around the sacrifice that is full of water. And he prays this simple prayer, and fire falls down from heaven. And everyone, they don't have football to watch at the time. This is the the greatest show in Israel at the time. And Elijah says, now you see who is in charge. And they kill over 400 of these prophets of Baal, which is why you see Jezebel so angry And then Elijah proclaims that it will rain after three years. And at the end of 18, as it starts to rain, and King Ahab is on his chariot trying to go back to Jezebel, it says that God gave Elijah strength to outrun him. In three years' time, We see God showing up time and time and time and time again in his life. And then this woman says, I'm going to kill you because of what you've done to my God, Baal at the time. And he runs away. He sits under a tree. He says, well, God, why don't you just kill me? Everybody else is gone. Nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. But man, isn't it so true in our own lives that we forget sometimes of what God has done in the past, what He's done for us, how He's helped us, how He's restored us, how He saved us, and we get caught up in the current situation and we can't see out of that storm, and we cry out to God in our emotions, in our frustrations, in our disappointments. And just like in this story, I want to remind you that God just cares about your relationship. He just wants to help you. He could have come down and sent that angel to rebuke Elijah. Why do you want to die? Look at all the stuff I've done for you. What's wrong with you? But he doesn't do that. He feeds him. He helps him. He lets him take a nap. We see... that God wants to have a conversation with you and grow your relationship with Him. His primary focus is helping, loving, hanging out, restoring, taking care of you. I want to read this Psalms to you. I don't have it up there on the, the screen, and you've probably heard of it before. Psalms 139. There's 24 verses, but I want you to hear what God thinks about you and about humanity. This is King David writing the Psalms. He says, O Lord, you have searched me. O Lord, you have known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot obtain it. Listen to this. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Verse 13. For you have formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sands. When I awake, I am still with you. Verse 19, O that you would slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Three more verses. Verse 22, I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Verse 24, the final verse. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God's primary focus is you. His primary focus... Is you And when conversating with him and praying with him, his first priority is you. Is to take care of you, is to love on you, is to help you, is to speak to you, to encourage you. Relationship is the f- first priority. How do I know this? Because in this new covenant, it says that God has put his spirit in each and every one of us. If God did not want to have a conversation with you, if God did not want to help you, if God did not want to do anything for you, He wouldn't have put His Spirit inside of you. Inside of everyone who believes on Jesus. Remember, in the Old Testament, God would just place His Spirit on certain people at certain times. The kings of Israel, they would get His Spirit every once in a while. That's why we saw such the bipolar personality of David in Psalms. I love you, Lord, you're so great, you're amazing, all of these great psalms. And then you read other psalms, and he sounds like a crazy man. Where are you? I'm nothing without you. I'm dying. You're thinking, who? What's going on here, David? You're going, it's because the Spirit would rest upon him, and then the Spirit would lift off. The Holy Spirit would sit upon kings. The Holy Spirit would sit upon prophets, The Holy Spirit would sit upon the high priest. At certain times, like Gideon or Samson or these other men and women of God, he would sit on them for a short period of time to help and do something. But then he would always leave and depart. But not in the new covenant. God now has made his spirit available to all people at all times. That all you have to do is believe on his son, and then you receive his spirit. And it's his spirit that will... Speak to you during prayer. That's how I know the relationship is the most important thing to God first as you're praying. Because He's put His Spirit inside of you. He hasn't just put His Spirit inside of the pastor or the president or the pope. And we have to go and talk to them to find out what God is saying. No, no, no. He put His Spirit inside of me. He put His Spirit inside of you so that at any point in time, I can stop, quiet myself, talk with Him, have a conversation with Him, and Him respond to me. The second thing that God focuses on when it comes to prayer is first relationship and then second direction. First thing that He focuses on is His relationship with you. The second thing that He focuses on is then direction. So many people, when we pray, we're asking for God, what's your plan, what's your purpose, what's your will, what's your desire, where do you want me to go, am I supposed to be a missionary in Africa, am I supposed to be here, am I supposed to do there? And those are all good, valid questions, but you have to understand that the first thing he wants to focus on is you and loving on you and you loving on him, and then after that is when he provides direction. Let's pick up the story in verse 11 of 1 Kings. I'm sorry. 1 Kings 19. Verse 11. Back up to verse 10. I'm sorry. Hmm. Wait a second. Go back to. Let's, let's go back a little bit. Where? Yeah, sure, we'll start there. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him, woke him up from his nap, said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and went in strength on that food 40 days and 40 nights, as far as as Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the same mountain that Moses saw the burning bush at, and had the encounter with God. He has such good food, such good water, he's able to survive and sustain what God has given him for 40 days and 40 nights, and he gets to this mountain, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of God came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Still concerned about relationship. This whole time, he's giving him food, he's giving him water, he's giving him rest, And now he's in a cave, and he's still concerned about him individually. What are you doing, Elijah? We're going to continue the pity party. So he said, I've been very zealous for you, Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. You don't think God already knows that they torn down his altars? They're not serving him? And Elijah says, I'm the only one left. Have we prayed those prayers before? I've prayed them before, I'll be honest with you today. God, I'm the only one in my family that's serving you. God, I'm the only one doing this and that. Where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? Don't you see all the evil that's surrounding me and is surrounding this area? Don't you see it? Look at verse 12. No, oh, no, you're right, you're right. I'm following you. Then he said, I just need to let you do it. You're, you're fine. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And, befo- and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now you think after all of this, after all he's experienced in his life in the last three years, after the experience that he just had in the cave with the angel, I don't know if you, if any of you have, maybe you have, maybe you're more spiritual than me, but I've never seen an angel before. God, if you want to show me an angel, I'll I'll see him and talk with him and hang out with him, but I've never had an angel visit me. Elijah has an angel show up and cook for him. He has a chef angel show up and cook for him. And then he has this food that sustains him for 40 days. He goes into the cave, and God himself audibly speaks to him and says, what are you doing, Elijah? And Elijah says, they're all trying to kill me, God. He says, okay, come on out here. And there's a big wind, and there's an earthquake, and there's a fire, and there's rocks crashing, and the whole mountain is exploding, and then he hears a still small voice and it says he wraps his face and he recognizes that God is out there. He walks out there and God still cares about relationship, avoids all of uh, the complaining that he's done. He's still listening and caring for him and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? If that was me, I would think that I would fall down and worship God and say, oh, you are so worthy. Of all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. You've got this taken care of. You've got this under control. You're going to do it all. Verse 14. And he said, I have been very zealous for you, God, Lord of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn it down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. You're going to double down on that, Elijah? That's... But we see the heart of God in this story, constantly reaching out to humanity, constantly trying to help you, constantly trying to restore you, constantly trying to feed you, constantly trying to restore that relationship. And then the second thing that God focuses on is direction. He says, okay, we've talked about your relationship, now it's time to tell you to go. Look at verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you uh, arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria, verse 16, and you shall also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, oh man, these words, I should have read this before, Mahola out loud, Uh, you shall anoint as prophet in your place, verse 17, It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to that dumb god Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Oh, okay, God, you, you got it under control. Okay, I see that now. But God is working on Elijah. Working on some things in his life. Trying to help him out as he's going through his journey. No doubt he feels all alone. No doubt he feels like the whole world is caving in on him. Being an Old Testament prophet... You were not a superstar. You were not a TV star. You were not writing books and making money and doing personal appearances and doing Facebook Live with thousands and thousands of people. No, no, no. The majority of the time as an Old Testament prophet, you were delivering very bad news that God was ticked and judgment was coming. And if you didn't change your act, something bad was going to happen. See you in a couple days and let's see what happens. No doubt he felt alone and God was working On Elijah to help him, help him, help him, restore him. This whole time, he thinks he's alone, and God is standing right next to him. God's about relationship first, and then second, he's about direction. Okay, Elijah, we've worked on you, we've worked on you, we've worked on you, we've had conversations with you. Now, here's the direction that you're looking for. Go and anoint a king over here. Go and anoint another king over here. Go and find your replacement over here oh, by the way, you're not the only prophet. In my back pocket, I've got 7,000 ready. Oh, wow, your, your plan is, you've got a plan. Sometimes we get such tunnel vision in our lives. God, do you care? Do you know what's going on? Do you know what's happening? Do you know what my next step is? How do I raise my family? Where's my next job? How do I fix this? How do... And then when we see God speak, the the level of detail that he already has planned and ready to help you in your journey. Let's look at a couple more examples. Genesis chapter 3, let's go back to the... I don't have this on there. We're going to see this theme of relationship first and then direction second. In Genesis chapter 3, we see God... Come down to Adam and Eve. They've already sinned. They've already eaten the fruit. And he says, Adam, where are you? Relationship. Where are you at? What's going on? Just like he asked Elijah, what's going on? Where are you at? So we were hiding. We were naked and ashamed. Relationship. God next asked him, who told you that you were naked and ashamed? Relationship. Focused on Adam. What's going on with you? As they're having this conversation. Then we see direction. Because of the sin, God has to give direction to Adam and Eve. The curse is applied to them. The direction is, you've got to leave the Garden of Eden. You've got to go. What about when Jesus is here on earth? In John chapter 8, the woman who had just committed adultery, thrown in the middle of the town, no clothes on, if any clothes, and all these men are just standing there ready to stone her ready to mock her jesus gets it down in the dirt it says he starts drawing and he says whoever has no sin can cast the first stone and it says they all drop their rocks and walk away from oldest to youngest then jesus reaches down to her and says honey where are your accusers relationship first concerned about her where are your accusers She says, Lord, there are none. Then God gives direction. You're right. Go and sin no more. Mark chapter 10. Jesus has a conversation with the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler shows up to Jesus in front of everybody and he says, what do I have to do for eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, just follow the commandments. And he lists off a couple of them. And the man says, I've done all those. And then it says, Jesus looked upon him with love. Doesn't correct him. Looks upon him with love. Relationship. He sees this man. He has a heart for this man. Then he gives him direction. Go and sell everything. Man said, well, nope. Don't like that. Don't like that direction. As says he walked away. In your prayer time, the focus is to have a relationship with God first. That's what his heart and his desire has been from the very beginning. He wants to talk to you about you. He wants to know about your day. He wants to know how you feel. He wants to know when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're tired. He wants to know what's going on in your life He knows, we saw that in Psalm 139. He knows what you're going to say, he knows what you're going to do, but he wants to hear you. He wants to walk with you in the cool of the day and spend time with you. And you have to remember that in those moments when you're talking that you take a moment and stop to listen to what he has to say about you. Because there's so many lies that you have believed that God wants to bring truth to you. God wants to bring truth in your relationship and in your own personal life so that He can give, give you, then give you direction to go and see success in your future. Look at John chapter 16 verse 13. This is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, being the Holy Spirit, has come, He will guide you Into all truths. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. That sounds like direction to me. He'll tell you about things that are coming. That we have the spirit of truth that is inside of us. And his goal and his responsibility is to guide you into all truth and tell you of what things are to come. Imagine if you weren't saved. Imagine what the people who aren't saved, the people who don't believe in God, the people who are anti-God, atheist, where does their hope lie? What are they trusting in? What are they believing in? The government? The government is failing us right now. It doesn't have the answers. Are they putting their hope and trust in science? It seems like science changes all the time. Hey, eat a bunch of eggs, it's healthy for you next year. Don't eat eggs at all, they'll kill you. Okay, well, thanks, thanks for that. I've been eating eggs for 12 months now. What do people who don't believe in God put their hope and trust in? I don't know how they function, how they survive, how they don't go crazy. But you have an advantage as a Christian with the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the winning peace. That the Holy Spirit is the one who will tell you of things to come. Tell you of what's going to happen. Will position you and give you direction. And will guide you into all truth. We have the trump card as Christians. We can tap into the supernatural that nobody else can tap into. To hear what God is doing and what God wants to do on the horizon. So that way we can make the right steps where we're going right now. He cares about you and your relationship and He also cares about telling you your direction. As we have corporate prayer and even in your personal time, I ask you to not forget to be quiet, to hear God talk to you about your relationship with Him and the direction He wants you to follow in your life. I'm going to finish with these four quick scriptures and we'll end with this. Let's start in Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation continually steadfastly in prayer Ephesians 6 verse 18 praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18 rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. This is the Apostle Paul writing these four scriptures, and he's writing it to four different churches. The church in Rome, the church of Thessalonica, the church of, in, in, in Colossae, and the church of Ephesus. Into each one of these churches and these groups of churches, he finishes a majority of his writings with pray always, continually pray, be in prayer, always pray, always pray. He even says in another letter, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you, which means he had to be praying in tongues a whole bunch to make the declaration that he was praying in tongues more than you. That he made it a point in a priority. Why did he make prayer such A priority, because he understood this revelation as well, that yes, it is important for us to talk to God, but it's also vitally important that you make time in your prayer life to be quiet and let Him talk to you. Because when you quiet yourself and you let God speak to you through His Spirit, He's going to go on a journey with you on your relationship, and He's going to give you direction on where to go next. It's frustrating to have a a relationship with someone who's always, if it was just me and my wife in our relationship, just telling my wife what to do. Let's be honest, it's her telling me what to do. Go change the baby. Go clean the house. Go cook the meals. Go put gas in the car. Go to work. Give me money. If it was just direction, 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 it would be a hard relationship. But there's times in me and my wife's life when we put the kids to bed and everything is quiet. and We put on a little music and play a card game at the table. We just sit there and talk. We Scroll through social media and laugh at what other people are posting. Sit together and watch a TV show. Sit together and pray that we focus on our relationship first and then it makes it easy for me and her whenever she says go do. Because there's that established bond as we walk together through life. Take time as we get ready for tomorrow. You come here and sit down and pray. Talk with God about your day and your life and what's going on. To you take time just to quiet yourself and let him talk to you, let him love on you, let him speak into your life. And as you hear him talk about you and your life, you'll next hear the direction that you need, because yes, we all need to know where to go next. We all have questions on what's the next step in our journey, and it makes it so much easier to hear when he says, go and do this and go and do that. Amen? Amen. Y'all, let's stand up today. I hope you were blessed by that. I hope it, it challenges you. I hope that it, it encourages you. I hope that it, it, it puts a new spin or twist on your prayer life to quiet yourself and take some time to listen to what he has to say to you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're concerned and care about us. That you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. And that your heart and your desires that none of us should perish, but that we should all have eternal life. That you care about our lives, not just on the eternal side. That when we get to heaven, everything will be good, everything will be great. But you care about our lives right here, right now. We see that evident in Jesus' life as he walked on this earth. He interacted with person after person after person, and every person he interacted with, he loved on them, he helped them, he blessed them, he changed their lives. And Father, if you were doing it back then, we know that you still want to do it today because you placed your spirit in each and every one, each and, inside of each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your spirit of truth. Father, I ask you to help guide us in those truths. I help you to guide us in the things that are to come in the future, that we hear your voice, that we take time in our busy life and our busy schedule to quiet ourselves and hear what you have to say about us. Because God, if we're being honest, we've probably believed a lot of lies of what other people have said about us. But it's time for us to quiet ourselves and hear what you have to say about us. What is your truth that can diagnose and destroy the lies that we have believed all these years. Father, we just ask you to speak to us this week, that we can clearly hear your voice as we have a relationship with you, and that we can clearly hear the direction that you have for us to go in our lives, where to go, what to do, what to say, when to say. Father, I ask you to bless your people today. I ask you to heal your people. Father, it says in your word that by Jesus' stripes they are healed. It says in your word that the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. It says in your word that they have favor with God and man. It says in your word that everything they put their hands to must prosper. It says in your word that they are the light and salt and the city set on a hill. Father, use us to go out and not only receive miracle signs and wonders, but also be the ones that deliver miracle signs and wonders into our family and our circle of influence. Father, I thank you for this great group of people. Bring them back safely tomorrow night as we start this journey on prayer throughout the months, as we prepare to leave 2020 in the dust and get ready to see your hand move mightily in 2021 in our families, in our community, in our churches, in all the areas that surround us and that we are affected with, Father, and bring us to a place where we can have this amazing relationship with you in our prayer lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We will see you tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, we will see you on Sunday. God bless. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PressChurchSC and have a great week.